I'd like to uh, just uh, recap very, very briefly, if I may. Um, uh, we're looking at a series called Simplify. And uh, the idea of trying to simplify one's life, some people say, is very, very complicated. Um, and I sometimes think we uh, can maybe make sometimes the biggest significant changes by just doing those small little changes in our lives. Um, and we started by looking at uh, Mary and Martha, looking at top-down and side-to-side, -side, this idea that we need to be those people who are prey and those were people that would love our neighbour. So we were looking at top-down, loving God, God loves us, and side-to-side. -side. We then looked at the idea of being overscheduled to being organised and... Uh, I asked you and I asked myself to put on the calendar this idea of spending time with God and reading God's Word. And today we're going to be looking at um, the third uh, in our series called Simplify, and it's going from restless to being fulfilled. And uh, looking out at the congregation and looking at myself and to Dave and the singers, including everybody, um, there might be some of you, when I say the word work, some of you might put up your hand, I'm not asking you to, but say, I'm retired. This, this actually doesn't apply to me. What Ian's saying this morning doesn't really matter. Well, I've got news for you. Um, one day I will retire and I'm giving you permission to say to me, Ian, yes, you may be retiring, old fruit, but do you know what? You're going to carry on working, yeah? Because I think all of us have this notion that, do you know what? We've done our work. Or some of you might be at work saying, if I had the projector, there was a cartoon on it, I want to show it to you, but um, there's this picture of a, of a person carrying a great big weight of a mountain of files into someone's office. And the caption underneath it says, when I get this done, I'll get my life back. And there's this idea that some people think there is the secular world and there's the spiritual world. Now, I don't know if you think the spiritual world and the secular world come together. Or you see them as separate entities. I don't know. But as I was thinking about this morning, on Monday, there was um, an interesting book. I haven't bought it. Uh, so the leadership team look out. It says here, great at work. How to uh, be a top performer. So if you're a manager, you need to get this book. I recommend it to you. That's a joke, by the way. It's a bit of a rhetorical thought there for you. But the rule number one is, for all of you who are managers, do less, then obsess. There are seven smart things to do. If you want to look at this afterwards, you can come and uh, look at it. But it applies to all of us. Do less, then obsess. Identify the really important stuff in your job and jettison as much of the rest as you can and do what remains brilliantly. So there you go, for all of you who are managers. Also, there's some adverts on the TV and some of you may have seen them, so I'm not going to say where it's from, but there's a little slogan that says, let's get to work. Some of you have seen that. And as I was thinking about this idea of my work and your work, how do we actually make that connection? Um, I was thinking about, and I got some statistics, and some of you who are really good at maths are better than I am, um, will say, but, but Ian, you've missed some stats out here. I want to give them to you. Well, you just have to bear with me, but I've got the highlights. In an average working life, okay, we spend 10 and a half years working. 
We spend 28 and a half years sleeping. We spend four years eating and drinking, one and a half years commuting, and two and a half years shopping. And to my surprise, on this uh, graph that I was looking at this week, there were nine years left uh, where we don't know what people do. So there you go. So can I fill that, or can God fill that space? I don't know. But I thought to myself, I want to look at someone who is more wiser than myself. And I wanted to have a look at Solomon's words, because Solomon has actually written three books, right? In his old age, possibly in his retirement, whether they had retirement in those days, I don't know. But in his old age, he wrote out, okay, he wrote out Ecclesiastes. He also wrote the Song of Songs and Proverbs. Now, they're not the, the easiest of books to read, because they're quite pithy in places, particularly Proverbs. I'm not going to say to you, you must go home and read all of them. But we've read this morning... That is what I have observed. Solomon says he's observed things in this world to be good. Now, if he was a teacher and he's done all these things in his life, Solomon, he's grading himself and his life as good. He says that is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labour under the sun. Now, I have a little thought that I think if he put himself in a philosophical sort of sphere, I would say that he was probably Aristotelian. And that means that he experiences things here on earth, but maybe is he interested in the heavenly things? What happens after life? I don't know. But he does actually go on to say in an earlier chapter, in chapter 3 and verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time and some of you are praying right now in its time in its season there are things that are beautiful around us but Solomon goes on to say he has he has also set eternity in a human heart yet he says no one can fathom it out can we work out this idea of what God is who is God and he goes on to say uh, in verse 11, he says, what God has done from the beginning to the end. And some of you will know that if I start reading to you at the beginning of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And if you skip through right to the very end, he then sort of concludes like two, like a row of books, the beginning and the end of what he's saying in Ecclesiastes, he says, Now, all has been heard here, and is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. But Ian, where's the good news in the first point, when we think about God at work in the beginning, okay, and following through to eternity? And as a Christian, I believe that God was there in the beginning. He was at work all the time. He created this earth. He created all that we have today. And 1 John 4 and verse 10 says, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
And some very famous verses from Psalm 139, verse 14 says, King David says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works that I see are wonderful and I know them full well. The second thing that I want to uh, just look at very briefly, if some of you have time, I'd like to encourage you to have a look at 1 Kings chapter 8 and verses 57 through to 60. Now, Solomon was very wise. There are all sorts of things that he did. And one of the key things that he did that his father did not do, King David, was he actually built the temple in Jerusalem. And it's interesting to note that he stood up in front of everybody, and you can read in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 55, he said, he stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel. And you can read the other verses as well. He was standing there having accomplished something that his father didn't do. And that was the building of the temple in Jerusalem. And it just so happens that it's during the Feast of the Shelters, called the Feast of Tabernacles, which is um, in November, just for some of you who might know that. But in verse 57, I think we have an Old Testament prayer. And I want to just point this out to you. God is at work with us. God is at work with Solomon in the work that he did. In verse 57, he says in a loud voice, I'm not going to boom out and shout at you, but he says, may the Lord our God be with us. And I believe that's a request for God's presence. And when we're at work, whatever we do, we can ask God for his presence wherever we are. Verse 57 goes on to say, may he never leave us nor forsake us. The desire to do God's will in everything that we do. In verse uh, 58, it says, keep the commands and decrees and the laws. There is a desire and ability to obey God's decrees for Solomon. Verse 59, be near to the Lord, he says, our God, day and night. There is a request for each of us to uh, be close to him in the days of our needs, which I started off looking at with Psalm 46 when I read out the start of the service. And then he goes on to say, all peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. There's this idea that he wants the kingdom of God to spread over the entire world. Here's a question for you. What's your picture of the church? A number of people have said to me, Ian, the church is a lifeboat. Some people have said to me, Ian, we're a battleship. Just leave that thought with you. What's your picture of the church? Is it one of God with us at work? And as I was thinking about this, I haven't got a spinner, but anybody who has been in education will know that children are very often playing with these spinners. And some of you may have uh, seen these spinners. They've like got three sides to them, and you can hold them in your hand, and you can, if you hold them firm, you can twist them round but you have to hold them very firm. So if you've got any grandchildren, ask them what a spinner is. Uh, it may have been confiscated from school. I don't know. So is that right, Becky? Yes, right. Okay. So it may have been confiscated. So, but ask them what a spinner is. And I was thinking about God with us at work, 
God with you wherever you are, whether it's at home, whether it's in the office, whether it's um, walking the streets in London, going from place to place and what you do. This idea that God is with us, we're at the centre and God is at work through the power of his word, through the Holy Spirit and through prayer. As I began to think about this, about God being with us, I began to ask myself the question which I started asking ourselves this morning. Do we have a picture of a separation between spiritual and secular? Is there somehow God using you and me currently now where we are to achieve his purposes and his plans? And I would like to think that God wants to work in and through us. And if some of you want a a really sort of encouraging, uh, confident word from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, when I was working in my earlier career, or one of them, I should say, there was a technique that some people used to have, and that was that they would actually put... Um, a jacket on their um, office chair. I don't know if that happens nowadays, but there was this idea that if you left your coat or jumper on the chair, it meant that you were in the office, but you were not present. Okay? Now, I don't know if that one still happens or not. I don't know. But there's a thought for you. Martin Luther once said that God does not need our good works but our neighbours do. I'll read that again to you. Martin Luther once said that God does not need our good works, but our neighbours do. What can we do to bless others? So whether we are at work and whether we are at home, what is it that we can do to help? Now, I think, minister and congregation, we are all on the same team. And I found this quote this week. It says, the church needs writers, performers, artists, speakers, politicians, businessmen, businesswomen, and workers in every craft and trade. In God's eyes, there should be no hierarchy. There certainly should be none none in ours. And I think that if we think about this God with us at work, you might say, Ian, that's all fine and well for you to stand and talk to us this morning, but I'm saying to you and I'm saying to myself, how is it that I can help people at work? How can we at Milford Baptist Church make that connection? Because we have a workstation wherever we are, whether we're at home in the chair or whether we're out in the office, but is it our worship station? Is it the place where we worship God? And I want to just encourage you to think about this one simple thought. Can we make a connection between where we are at right now and people who are at work? And the answer came to me very, very quickly. Yes, Ian, it's really easy. Just think about your relatives. Where are they working? Where's your son working? Can you think to yourself this morning, where is it that you are working? Where is it that you have worked in your vocation, what you have done in your life? Maybe you were in banking. Maybe you were in the civil service. Maybe you were in doing something in your life. Am I, 
I'm not, so I'm correcting myself. It was challenging myself here. Am I actually praying for my son, who's working for the Scottish government? Am I actually praying for my son, other son, who is actually doing some voluntary work? Or so I shouldn't say that now. He's actually changed his job now. He's doing some work for the Methodist Church. Am I actually praying for what he's working for, the institution? I would like to suggest this morning that if we actually ever thought to ourselves in Milford Baptist Church, we're great at missions, we're great at fellowship, we are great at so many things, and I want to encourage you to think to yourself, and I'm doing it myself, and saying, Lord, you're laying on my heart people in the congregation who actually are really, really busy. Are we actually coming alongside them and supporting them? I want to challenge you this morning. You could say, but Ian, I'm retired now, I've finished that work. But can I just encourage you to think about your local family that you know, or even friends that you know who are currently working at the coal face, really, really hard, working with God, out working out his purposes and plans. How committed and connected are we with others who are actually working out there in the world? Just like we are in the world. Don't think for one moment, I'm not thinking we're in the world as well. How are Milford Baptist Church making those connections? Right? I would like to encourage you today to think about the profession that you were in, whether it was in uh, the law or whatever it might be. How are we coming alongside those people who are probably having quite maybe severe difficulties in their workplace? There are tremendous joys and rewards at work, but what is it that we are doing as a church? I want to challenge you. I want to give you confidence to think, do you know what? Sometimes when we struggle to pray for things, Lord, help me to maybe pray for people in education. Are there people here that we need to be praying for? And I was reminded about that just on Thursday when I went into Chandler School and talking to Hugh and uh, just sharing some ideas of things that we could do with them. It's not just praying for Chandler School, but praying for people who are currently working and to encourage us to pray in our groups, to encourage one another. And hopefully you'll take this as a real uh, word that we can really almost come alight with this and think to yourself, do you know what, I want to come alongside someone and to pray for them. And I think if we could do that, we will just see the church change and say, Lord, lay on our hearts those things, Lord, that we can pray for, that we can come alongside and do. And I'm going to ask in a moment for us to have a short time of prayer, possibly after we sing the next hymn or chorus, whatever that might be. And we'll just spend a few moments individually. If you just want to pray for, like, for a situation that you know of, that the Lord lays on your heart, then I'd encourage you to do that. And then I'll pray at the end and we'll sing one final hymn and then we'll end the service. Is that all right? So have you got one? Just do one